Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Money Talk, it is Annex Wealth Management, July 28th. My name is Danny Clayton. Good morning, Mark Oswald. Good morning. Derek Felsky, good morning. Good morning, Danny. Can't believe you're in here and Dave Spano might be on a golf course. He, he was reputed to be on a golf course on Friday. I know. Two days in a row. Listen, uh, you've been drinking from a fire hose this week. I cannot wait for this show. It's going to be a good one. You bet. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on, Derek. Clearly, you know, for our listeners, the markets were pretty flat. I mean, all across the board, the S&P was up a little bit. The small caps were down a little bit, but the NASDAQ probably was the index that had the wildest ride because of some of the earnings news. What have the earnings been so far? I mean, we had a lot of companies report in a lot of different sectors. How has the S&P 500 performed as an index in terms of earnings? Well, up to this point, about a third of the companies in the S&P 500 have reported. Basically, the earnings are coming in about 23 times, or year-over-year earnings growth, on a 9.1% improvement on revenues. And the beat ratio, which is the ratio of companies that beat expectations, is at 83.7 for earnings and 75% for revenues, which is typically which is stronger than typical. So just getting back to that earnings number, when you look at earnings growth, you said 23% higher. So you're looking at the earnings of the second quarter of 2017 and now the earnings of the second quarter of 2018. And those earnings are up 23%. That's a heavy number. It is. And it really shouldn't surprise anyone. We we had tax cuts. Initially, at the beginning of the year, we were looking for 12% growth this year. Now we're looking for north of 20. Uh, you also had a second quarter GDP number that came in with a four in front of it, first time in four years. Uh, so it's not hard to imagine companies doing well in this environment. When you look at some individual names, there certainly were a lot of big reports this week. Facebook is clearly on a lot of people's lists, but Amazon was on that list as well, ExxonMobil. Let's talk about some individual companies, and let's start with Facebook. Big hit to that stock this week. Yeah, Facebook declined almost $120 billion in market cap in a single day. And the results at Facebook were actually somewhat confirmed by the results on Friday with Twitter, where Twitter also saw declining monthly average users, which surprised people as well. And that stock was down 20%. How much of that is spillover then? When you start to look at big name companies like that, you're talking about large capitalized companies, some of the biggest companies in the world. How does that affect then other companies down the line in terms of the technology sector in general? Are they affected by the earnings of a Facebook or an Amazon? No, but I think the psychology has been dampened somewhat. You know, I mean, the, the multiple people are going to will, are willing to pay for high-growth companies probably gets compressed a little bit because inevitably fast growth attracts competition. And in the case of Facebook, it's it's not just that. It's really, you know, these privacy concerns that, that have festered, uh, talking to EU about regulating them on a, on a privacy basis, and the money that they're going to have to spend in order to meet some of these challenges. Their, their margins are probably peaked, so the business model has changed, and analysts are going to have to revise their forecasts. So you look at a company like Facebook, and you met, you're right on target there. I mean, you're looking at revenue. And I think the biggest thing for investors was what is their projection for revenue going forward versus what's the cost to continue to try to get away from the fake news 
and the privacy concerns of users. So, you know, you look at a company like that as a part of a ETF or a mutual fund that might maybe one of our listeners holds, and it's it's worth concern, but it's not worth the point where you get away from the technology sector altogether. When I think about Facebook, Mark, I don't really think of it as a technology company. I know it's included in many technology ETFs, but it really is more of a social media company. You know, in and of itself, I don't think it affects semiconductor demand or demand for software, but it certainly does put the idea in force that, that ultimately things revert to the mean. And highly profitable companies that grow at a very fast rate ultimately do attract competition, and that can lead to pricing pressures and perhaps saturation. You mentioned the, the capitalization hit that that the company took, $120 billion. Put that into perspective. When you think about $120 billion loss in market cap, the entire market cap of a company like Caterpillar is less than the loss of Facebook on a single day. When you look at General Motors and Ford together, the capitalization of those two companies combined is less than $120 billion. So Mark Zuckerberg had a pretty tough week. Well, and it also highlights, you know, the interesting facts between various ETFs. You know, some are market cap weighted, some are price weighted. In a case like Facebook with a very large market cap, it does negatively impact an index. And actually, in some cases, is probably rewarding active managers who were steering clear of it just because of the sheer size of the company. Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. We're going to take a break and be back. Also, coming up today on Money Talk, we got a, a segment about the family cabin. How does that pass down through generations if it's going to stay in the family? Really good conversation. It's on the way on Money Talk on WTMJ. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Canix Wealth Management. Saturday, July 28th. I'm Danny Clayton. Dirk Felsky, our chief investment officer, is here. So is Mark Oswald. And that first segment went by about as quick <laughs> as the earnings uh, rolling in. And uh, they just keep coming. And they're into next week. But yesterday, we had a pretty good GDP number. When you're talking about GDP, you're talking about the growth of the U.S. economy. And the number that got printed yesterday was 4.1%. First quarter GDP was revised up to 2.2%. And on an annualized basis, we're now north of 3% growth. That's a healthy growth number, Derek. Why does that matter from an investor's standpoint in terms of what happens next, either in the economy, as it relates to recessions, or how it might relate to what the Fed does next? Well, it is the fastest pace of growth we've seen in almost four years. And obviously, with the Fed now starting on a quantitative tightening phase, it certainly raises a probability the Fed will hike rates probably two more times this year. The probability, according to the futures market, is north of 60%. And historically, they have acted in line with the futures market's expectations. So whenever the probability is above 50%, they actually have, in fact, raised rates. Uh, the other thing I'd focus on, too, is you know a lot of people are saying that that 4% number was kind of artificially stimulated by massive soybean exports, which were basically in anticipation of Chinese regulatory tariffs. But the other thing in the number, if you if you go in the weeds a little bit, was that actually inventories were a negative factor. So inventories have been pared back significantly, which should fuel further growth in Q3. So the next question that I always have is, if the Fed is on target to raise rates both in September and December of this year, how much of that is already baked into the market? How much of that is already absorbed? Or do we expect to see a lot of volatility if we see a Fed move in September? I actually don't think it was baked into the market. For example, you know, we saw the financial sector, which we've owned tactically for quite some time, has rebounded really dramatically over the last several weeks as long rates have, have risen in anticipation of further uh, Fed rate hikes. In addition, the reports that we're seeing out of companies have, have really been strong. So the Fed certainly has an opportunity to normalize policy without negatively impacting the economy, particularly one with so much momentum currently. 
How about fixed income investors? I mean, if we're probably going to see two more rate raises this year, how does that impact the fixed income investor? I think it really is a question of what fixed income assets you own. If you own things like bank loans and high yield bonds, I think you're going to do pretty well because the likelihood of higher default rates is lower. If, however, you own treasuries, which have a long duration, in other words, a high sensitivity to rising rates, uh, you could have a problem in the next several months. So we were looking a lot at earnings this week, and you mentioned the tax cuts and there's been a lot of talk about trade and tariffs. We got some news on that this week, at least as it relates to the European Union. Well, we got a bunch of news. One thing we saw with the auto companies, for example, uh, the big three all lowered their profit outlooks for 2018, basically as a result of the fallout from tariffs on steel and aluminum. But some really good news occurred on Wednesday where the EU and the Trump administration agreed on a process to reconsider uh, this trade war, to basically take auto tariffs off the table for now, look at additional purchases by the EU of of U.S. uh, imports, and essentially diffuse the trade tensions as we, I think we're pivoting more towards China than we are the EU. The other thing that you saw, Derek, this week is different sectors that are reacting to the news. You looked at technology and you certainly looked at You talked about financials, but the industrials was another place to look. When you look at companies like Caterpillar, for instance, that export to other countries and are big in the construction area and big machinery, those companies were impacted as well, but positively. Well, they were. You know, any any lessening of trade tensions is good for somebody like Boeing or Caterpillar or Harley-Davidson. But again, the whole whole verdict really remains to be seen. I mean, they, they agreed to talk. They didn't agree on an agreement. And there's a long distance that has to be traveled between now and when we say an after resolution or we have some agreement with the EU on uh, on tariffs. And, and China, to me, is really the key issue here. Derek, you know, we're getting towards August now, and we're starting to see some political things heating up as well as we get closer to the midterm elections. Everything that's going on, the trade and everything else that's out there, is that the next big thing that people should be looking for? I felt that the summer we'd see sideways trading action, that markets don't tend to do much in front of midterm elections. And obviously, the, the political rhetoric's going to heat up you know, over how much control the president should have over trade policy, You know, to what degree should Congress be involved. And I'm sure that'll be a political hornet's nest come November. That's Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer, Annex Wealth Management. More to come. It's Money Talk on WTMJ. Spreading the wealth every Saturday. Here's more Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. We are going to talk about the family cabin or the lake home or the legacy asset or whatever that is. But for the sake of this story, it's grandpa and grandma's place and it's in Shawano. They built it a long time ago. Of course, as they as they aged, they had four kids. Those four kids had their own four families. There's grandchildren that come around and then things get complicated. Ron Johnson is the CFP. Here's our senior financial planner. Welcome to the show, Ron. Thanks, Danny. You wrote an article in our Axiom and it got a lot of clicks. Let's talk a little bit more about this and... It's Bring a Friend Day, so Mandy Goloshinsky, <laughs> our tax planners here. Hey, Mandy. Hi. So far, Grandma and Grandpa built the cabin. It's a nice place, but everybody's kind of, it's a tug of war. So is right. this what people run into, Ron? Money does strange things, right? Or vacation properties or whatever it is that has value. And after you pass, if it's up to your children to make decisions amongst themselves, it'll create contention. So there's lots of things to think about when you're talking about transferring a 
vacation property like a lake home. And Mandy, I know you've had lots of experience with this in, in your past, and, and certainly our clients have too. We suggest you have a family meeting. First off, do your heirs want the property? Will they, you know, will they use it? You know, that's the first thing. Or is it something that, you know, as you said, they have kids, they're maybe going somewhere else, live out of state even, where they're not going to be coming back to Wisconsin to use the property. Is there an advantage, financial planning or tax or otherwise, for grandma and grandpa to say, okay, this is not our place anymore, something something else should own it? And if so, what is it that should own that? Um, from a tax perspective, if you gift the property during your life. That means your basis is the same as the person that you got it from. Now, if you pass away, your basis gets stepped up to fair market value. Your heirs are going to sell it. You may want to die with the property because then there'd be less tax impacts to your heir. But there's other ways to structure it. Um, A common way is an LLC. That's basically a limited liability company. Put the property in there. Grandma and grandpa still own it during their life, but there's a document, almost like a business document, that kind of directs how the property will operate after their passing. Is it fair if if you transfer this asset to, say, four children, and one lives 1,500 miles away and will use it once every five years, and the other one lives 10 miles away, and they're going to use it every other week? Well, that's what they get for abandoning grandma and grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, that's an interesting point, too, that, well, then who's going to pay the maintenance and the property taxes? One may use it more than the other. Do they see it fair that they share in the expenses? Again, those conversations need to be helped along the way. You put it in writing? Always, yes. Yeah. Who puts it in writing? The attorney does. The attorney. As well, part of your estate plan. Real estate attorney? If you are setting up an LLC to put the property in, yes, because you need someone to help transfer title. Now, if you're doing it via trust or just normal estate planning, that's your estate planning attorney. So if you have a family cabin, you're going to most likely need your estate planning attorney, a real estate attorney, an accountant, and your financial planner kind of helping you develop a strategy for this. Do you run into this much? Yeah, well, there's lots of lakes in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> and lots of properties around them. So, yeah, it's, it's a very common issue. It's not like passing uh, a pile of cash where you can just divide it four ways and everyone goes on their merry way. What are the other things on your list, Mandy? An exit strategy. So let's say everything is good and dandy right now. All your kids want to share equally. What happens 15 years after your passing when one child now is moving out of state? They want out. How do they get out? So in an LLC, are there shares? Yes, that's a good way to think of of it. So in an LLC, let's say the original owners pass. No, you own 25% of that LLC, that share. The other siblings can buy you out. So there would be a value placed on that? There would be a value, yes. What we like to see it structured is not only do you put the property in there, but you put a little cash to kind of help with the maintenance and the real estate taxes for a couple years to avoid some of those who's going to pay questions. So the sibling that lives 10 miles away that might be taking the boat in and out and doing more of the maintenance, do they get any sort of consideration or is that part of the discussion? That's part of the discussion, right? Do they get compensated for their time to manage it? Who's going to be responsible? for making the decisions. You don't want to put one heir in a position or one child in a position where they have to collect money from another for real estate taxes or uh, maintenance on the property or boat maintenance. You don't want to have one go try and get it from another, especially if they don't have it. Mandy, what else you got on there? Will it be rented? Now, you got these kids, you've got these maintenance expenses. Are they going to rent it out to help offset some of the costs? That's something that needs to be discussed beforehand because obviously renting it is another party involved. Somebody has to collect the cash. More taxes have to be filed because now you have an income stream. You know, just a whole lot of things to think about if you've got that property. 
Manny Noshinsky is our tax planner and big old wet blanket. Right? <laughs> you know, there's a lot to think about, Ron. Yeah. Your job as owner of the property is to make sure everyone's on the same page and everyone's in agreement on uh, what they want to have happen. Once you get that down, now it's time to consult with an estate planning attorney and then get the, your other experts in place as well to get this done. It can be sticky. It can be very sticky. Another, another point is... How do you determine use? Does everybody get the same amount of time there? So me, my siblings, do I get the first week of every month? My brother gets the second week of every month. You know, how do you determine that so it's shared equally? Or do you have an equitable use of the property? You know, the last thing to consider, Danny, and it's more of a minor point, there's toys that go along with it generally, right? Jet skis, there's boats, ATVs. So what happens with that stuff when you when you pass away? Yeah, and when you get those toys come even more problems with estate planning. you got to make sure you can get that title passed to the right owners. So if you have um, an estate plan with a trust, you know, that can help. But, you know, that goes to that family cabin and all those toys need a lot of estate planning. Annex clients can get help figuring this out. It'd be you too. It, it would be. And we've helped a lot mm-hmm. of Annex clients kind of sort through this, you know, exit strategies. Because a lot of times grandparents will do it during their life. So if I inherit a property during their life, so via gift, and I want out, now I'm going to have to pay a lot of tax to get out too. And, and Mandy and I will identify the issues and help you walk through those with you. But then we'll also bring in Jill Martin, who's our estate planning attorney. And she's also an expert on this. And, and she can really bring a, another level of expertise. Ron and Mandy, thanks for jumping on today. Thanks for having us. They are a part of the big old team here at Annex Wealth Management. Uh, We've got a bunch of locations. Let's run through them because if you can hear me, we can cover you. Annex Wealth Management headquarters are in Elm Grove. We're on Blue Mound Road. Uh, We can cover Mequon and the North Shore from our office on Mequon Road. Lake Country, we got you. We're in uh, Delafield. And then, uh, of course, we're in Appleton at 4321 College Avenue in Appleton. And our newest location is inside the Fister. Uh, We've been working on that for a long time, and we're really, really thrilled. I think it's probably been open five, six weeks now. Um, Mike Mim runs that. In fact, a little bit later on in the show, we'll be talking to Mike and kind of learning about uh, what he does and how he does it at the Fister. And Annex Everywhere, if you can hear us on this radio station, we've had clients that have uh, called us from... Northern Illinois and say, listen, it's not really convenient for us to get up there. Can we do it via Skype? Yeah, we can do that. That's Annex Everywhere. The number is 262-786-6363. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. It's just that easy to know the difference. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dane Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Recently, I had dinner with some friends, and the guy said to me, you guys are really expanding like crazy. And of course, I could take no credit. I've only been with the company a couple of months. But Mark Oswald, you've been here a long, long time, and you have seen tremendous expansion of Annex Wealth Management. We have, but it's been controlled growth. And I think that's important for people to understand is that we are all about making sure that we're servicing our existing clients first before we jump into a new market. And so that's been by design. And, and we've done that in a very calculated fashion over the last couple of years. The newest location has been really fun to be involved with. It was a project that I got to work on a little bit, and that was our new branch in the Fister Hotel. It turned out great. The people that are coming in, people that are stopping in and going through the lobby and peeking through the glass windows and stuff like that, it's been tremendously good feedback. Our branch director at Annex Wealth Management, the Fister location, is Mike Mim. Mike, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Danny. So you're six weeks in. Has it been fun? It really has been. You know, there's so much energy down there, and it's just fun to be in the downtown community. We've had some great people walk in and check us out. Folks 
that live in northern Illinois but you know have come up to stay in Milwaukee just for a night and go out on the town you know they're listeners of the radio program and have come in and We've had meetings with them, and they've been great. You know, what's really been good, too, is the extension of the team, is the ability in that Fister location is to access the central planning folks and, and Mandy Noshinsky, our CPA, CFP, and the state planning attorneys that are here by using technology. So, you know, the footprint over there is about twenty seven or 2,800 square feet, but really you've brought in the entire team to that downtown location. Oh, absolutely. You know, Elm Grove to Milwaukee is pretty darn close, so it's great for them to be able to come and meet with our clients in person, but it's also very easy to do online meetings with them as well. So we have access to the whole team. Even if someone is in, you know, northern Illinois or is not able to drive in, we're able to do the online meetings with them, and they really find that helpful. Mark Oswald, the original location, our headquarters in Elm Grove, Wisconsin. Next up was it was Mequon. How did we choose Mequon? And let, let's kind of go through the, the process. We had a, a great deal of of interest from people up on the North Shore, from Mequon to Port Washington to Grafton to Manitowoc. And, you know, we felt like the community was underserved from a certain standpoint from comprehensive wealth management. There's money managers over in Mequon, certainly, but comprehensive wealth management was something that was missing. So we were getting calls from people up on the North Shore, and they'd say, boy, we wish you were a little closer. And so that was step number two. And then we had the same reaction out of Lake Country, out of the Oconomowocs and the Delafields of the world. So we put our office on 83 and 94, and that's been a boom success as well. The fourth was the Fox Valley. When we went up into the Appleton area, we found, again, a market that was being underserved. And so that branch came online a couple years ago. And now, of course, there's more people living downtown and working downtown. There's been a huge revitalization of that community. We're really happy to be part of it, but that was the impetus to go down there was really, again, perhaps an underserved market. Mike Mamar, branch director at Annex Wealth Management in the Fister location. I've got to guess that we've got some clients that had the initial relationship start with Annex, maybe in one of our other locations, but they work downtown. It's just plain easier for them to get to you now. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I started here in Elm Grove, and when I transitioned down to the Fister, there were certainly clients that wanted to come downtown, and it was kind of fun. You know, oftentimes they said, well, let's just make a date out of it. You know, we'll go down there and we'll meet with you, and then we'll go out to lunch or we'll go out to dinner. And that's really worked out well. Certainly there are more and more people living downtown, and there certainly are a lot of people that work downtown. And even if the spouse doesn't, we can meet with them in our office and then, again, do an online meeting with the spouse at their home. So it's very convenient to be able to accommodate the folks that are working downtown or that live downtown. And certainly more and more technology is coming. The ability to do things over Skype, for instance, we're using now, DocuSign, other technologies like that, where we're able to deliver a comprehensive wealth management experience to somebody who doesn't necessarily have to come downtown. You can have one spouse in one location, one spouse in another location. We can be working on things here in our Elm Grove office, and you're downtown at the Fister, and we're putting all those technologies together into one experience. Mike Mim, our branch director at Annex Wealth Management, the Fister location. Somebody works downtown, they want to meet with you. What's the best uh, best way to do that? There's really two options as I see it. For anyone to set up a meeting with us, the easiest way is just to go to our website, AnnexWealth.com, and click on Get a Plan. And if you want to meet at the Fister location, just indicate that, and I'll be the one that would reach out to you. Or if you're within walking distance, very easy just to drop in and set up a meeting with us. We're happy to accommodate that. We provide valet parking, so if you need to drive, just take advantage of the valet parking and come on in and see us. Our scheduling software for meetings is pretty amazing. Well, we're running about 125 to 130 client meetings every week in our locations, and that's great because we love helping people out. It couldn't be easier because we're going to tell you what to bring. It's free and it's no commitment. Just see if it's a good fit for you. And 
thankfully every week more and more people do and they become clients of Annex and, and we're very humbled by that experience. Mike Mim is branch director at Annex Wealth Management in the Fister location. Don't forget about us. I live in Elm Grove, so it's uh, always on my way home or on my way in. Also want to help you out a little bit more. Financial Planning Association of Wisconsin and Children's Community Health Plan are inviting you to Milwaukee Financial Planning Day. Annex wants to share the message. This is a good free event. You can speak one-on-one with a certified financial planner professional. Get answers to your questions. It's absolutely free of charge. No strings attached. Just free financial planning advice. And it happens Thursday, August 30th at Marquette University's Alumni Memorial Union in, in Milwaukee. The uh, address for more information on the web is fpawi.org. That's fpawi.org. Watch your investments grow with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, July 28th, and our, our room gets bigger. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. So is Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. And since it's Bring a Friend Weekend, from Roger Global Advisors, Laura Garretts. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. Mark is excited to have you in on the show. I'm excited to learn some stuff. We're always excited to have somebody join the show that can really give our listeners a unique insight into the way that we construct portfolios. And we had this opportunity with Laura being in Milwaukee this week to sit down with her. And it's going to be really neat. Derek, to talk a little bit about why we use an active manager in this space. No, it will be, Mark, because you know one of our fundamental precepts is that active management certainly can add value in certain asset classes, and emerging markets, which is Laura's specialty, is one of those that we believe where active management can truly add value. If you look at active management versus passive structures, passive structures are basically uh, liquidity vehicles versus active, which is we can focus on quality companies. So we can go out in these places that are quite complex, we can be on the ground, and we can look for the best companies that we think you can hold for a very long period of time. You mentioned you've been to 74 countries? <laughs> 74 countries uh, over my career and many of them multiple times. Uh, I've seen a lot. Uh, I can, can quickly smell out a rat in an in a, in a emerging market or frontier market. How does somebody who invests in the fund like our clients do, how do they benefit from you being in those countries versus an analyst maybe in New York or Los Angeles that just thinks they know what's going on in those countries? If you go back in my career, uh, my colleagues always said I was uh, the most rich risk-averse investor in what was perceptually the riskiest asset class. Uh, And I will emphasize perceptual because when you're on the ground in these places, what we hear in the headlines is not the truth of what you see on the ground. What you see on the ground is you see growth. I mean, you see it's where the people are. It's you see great companies and you see tons and tons of potential. So for me, being on the ground, you know, really allows me to hone in on owning the best companies for the long haul. We were talking earlier about how low auto penetration is in India. It's like auto penetration in India is basically equivalent to the 1920s in the U.S. I mean, it has tons and tons of potential, and you see that when you're on the ground. So as a portfolio manager, your day is filled with going out and getting into these companies, both their financials, but then also going into the company itself, going into the manufacturing plant, going in talking to management, and there's value in that for the investor. That's correct. So I can go back in my history and give you an example of a case where you saw numbers that looked good from looking at, you know, just their financial statements in my office, uh, but when we went out and actually met the the company, there wasn't really anyone in the manufacturing facility um, that was just kind of a guy sitting around tinkering. So by being on the ground, you can see, are these businesses real? Are they not real? Uh, In India right now, you have an environment where there's a lot of retail participation and there's a lot of IPO activity. And by being there, I mean, I think you can tell when it's a real company and when it's not or Or, when there's corporate governance issues. So you look at the U.S. market right now, the U.S. large cap market, and you 
you look at the Russell 2000, for instance, and then you look at different emerging markets, there's quite a differentiation in the valuation of companies around the world. Yeah. You know, I was looking this morning, and I'm just using Bloomberg data and looking roughly at uh, EV to EBITDA multiples. That's stripping out the cash. And, you know, if you look at the Russell 2000 growth, it's trading at approximately 27 times EV to EBITDA. If you look at emerging markets, they're trading at roughly eight, nine times EV to EBITDA. They're quite cheap. It's one of the largest gaps in price I've seen. Is that the case to stay the course and to continue to have exposure to emerging markets? Is the attractive valuations and the currency? Right now, what we see in the markets is people are just wanting to own the dollar. They're scared of what they see in the headlines. But if you look at the long-term opportunity, you have relatively inexpensive markets and you have big growth potential uh, and you also have a, a potential over the long haul for the dollar to reverse. And that would drive emerging market stocks. What's the biggest challenge for you when you're traveling? Is it language? Is it the access to people? Right now, uh, there's only two places probably in the world where English is not the the language that is spoken in business. Uh, One of those places is Japan, where they still uh, defer to Japanese when they're speaking in business meetings, and the other place is Korea. And I think China may be morphing more to speaking Chinese over time. But generally, language uh, isn't a big barrier, uh, nor is culture. But, you know, when you're looking at places that are complicated, uh, you want to see that the numbers you're seeing on paper are real. And so the challenge is getting to see everybody you want to see. Do you find the accounting in foreign companies to be more challenging than U.S. companies? The smaller the country, the easier it is to sniff out a rat. So if you go to Kenya, everybody knows each other. It's easy to see who's trustworthy or not. I read an article in the New York Times a couple years ago about India, and it said that 70% of the population of India has never even heard of the internet. Is that your experience? And, And does that become an opportunity for U.S investors to invest in a country like that? It's growing really quickly, So, um, but it's still very low penetration rates. I'm not even, we've talked before, I'm not even sure how to size up. It's really difficult to size up penetration in India because people don't know what the population of India is. Is it 1 billion? Is it 1.5 billion? You don't know. But the internet right now is growing quite quickly, but there's it's very low penetration. What are your top three countries right now? What do you like? I like India right now. I like the Philippines, uh, and I still like China. So... Um, and I'm liking Vietnam more. It's pulling. It's pulled back irrationally. It's pulled back. It was a flow issue. The quality there is good, and I think that country is going to leapfrog uh, into quickly into a more emerging, more developed over time. Certainly, our investors have benefited from your travels, and we appreciate you coming in today and spending some time with us. We've been a, an investor in this firm since its inception, really, and uh, we're very happy with the performance, and we're very happy to have finally gotten to meet face-to-face, and we gave a terrific presentation yesterday, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It is Laura Garretts. She is the Chief Investment Officer at Ronder Global Advisors. It is a Team Technology Trust. More about the team next. AnnexWealth.com. W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. This is a conversation about team. We abbreviate client service managers to say CSMs. Joining me is Stephanie Emmons, Program and Events Manager at Annex Wealth Management. You manage the client service team. Stephanie, welcome back. Thank you very much. You brought some muscle. Big Bob Emmons is here. Hey, Bob. Hello. Uh, Marquette guy? That's right. I see a double major. That's right, yeah. Nice. How long you been with Annex? I've been uh, with Annex for just about a year and a half. Fantastic. Okay. Stephanie, let's talk about CSMs. W- what exactly are they? I Some might say the kind of the oil of the team, the lifeblood of the team. I would 
would think that you say things like that. I say those things all the time, actually. I think I said that the last time I, I talked with you. Client service managers do some of everything. They're usually the front point of contact for our clients. Um, they're the ones who kind of help figure out where we're trying to go and work with our team of specialists to help get there. So the interaction happens with our clients all the time. Absolutely. Our client service managers probably talk with our clients more often than any other team here at Annex. Um, and that's just because of the type of and the, and the breadth of the work that they do. It's everything from I need a distribution or I need to make a contribution to now that my daughter got married, I'm not sure if her married name has been updated on my beneficiaries. Can we make sure that that's accurate? Or I now have a new grandchild and I want to make sure that we have a 529 plan open for them as well. They're the fixers. They are the fixers. They are the They're fixer. problem solvers. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you brought one of your fixers. Absolutely. We brought Bob here. He works with a variety of clients across the state and does all kinds of work to make sure they're either getting to retirement or enjoying retirement and everything in between. So you got some stories for us. Yeah, absolutely. Bob is going to talk about some of the things that we do that, that help clients kind of either get to that finish line or uh, problems that they've had, challenges that they've we've helped overcome, or just unique situations that clients have brought to us. And we've sat down with the, the services here at Annex and, and helped figure out a plan. The moments that I've been most proud of uh, in working with clients have been major life event moments. Recently, I've, I've been involved with uh, a few joyful moments for clients, uh, such as purchasing a new home. Clients have come to us with funds needing to be in an escrow account directly or the purchase of a home went through faster than anticipated. And because of the uh, service relationships that we built with our custodians, we've been able to expedite the distribution of those funds and make sure that the sale of their home or the purchase of their home goes through successfully. So it's been a privilege to be part of those moments. CSMs help make that happen. Absolutely. These are complicated situations. I mean, just what Bob mentioned, uh, you know, having to have an escrow account directly and, oh no, this suddenly happened sooner than later. It's a great problem to have, but to be able to rely on the service manager and the team at Annex to help work through that challenge, that exciting challenge that's coming up, um, to make sure that nothing falls through. And we see those kinds of things on a regular basis. And we, I'm sure, have clients that run the gamut from, oh, I need to do a distribution or what is a distribution? Sometimes you probably need to do a little education, right? Absolutely. Bob, what is escrow? People don't know. You know, things like that. Definitely, yeah. So we're, we're always here to answer questions and to make the process as easy as possible. We obviously want to make sure that we explain everything that's happening. We want to be as transparent as possible so that the client fully understands the process. But we're also happy to completely take it off their plate. I mean, that's what we're here for. Bob Eman is a client service manager. We call him a CSM here at Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference, and we're talking about team. What is it that you like about the job? To be there in a moment of need or to be able to assist with a your life event, you know, joyful or difficult. So Stephanie Emmons manages that department, the client service team. You can't really plan your day, can you? When we have our weekly team meetings, we talk about everyone's to-do list for the day. And then by 930, you've crumpled it up and tossed <laughs> it to the side, and you're working on that day's priorities. Of course, ensuring that what needs to get done gets done and, and anything else that you had planned still manages its way into your, your daily fold. You know, you can't plan for that immediate house sale. You can't plan for suddenly the grandchild came six weeks early and or you have to take a trip because parent is ill. So we make sure that we prioritize and reprioritize and reprioritize again to ensure that our clients are being taken care of. Your day is like a hockey game. Yes, right? it is. It's mayhem. <laughs> Back and forth. It's, it's controlled mayhem. Less mascots, though. 
Bob, you mentioned the happy stuff, but I'm sure that you've also got to help some people through difficult situations. That's right. Yeah, I've been grateful to be able to be there for clients in difficult moments, too. I've had a few instances recently where a client who's retired just had to put their spouse in long-term care. And they are struggling with, you know, managing the the payments for a major expense like that. And so being able to assist the client with those particular bills and be able to explain how we can easily distribute money from their accounts, taking into account their financial plan, I think it, you know, alleviates a lot of stress in a moment where they really need to be focused on, you know, their family. And it's important, too, then at that point that Bob brings in our financial planning team who prepare long-term care research, can put our clients in touch with some other specialists who work with not only long-term care, but perhaps other types of Medicare questions, estate planning questions, things like that that we have here at Annex that we can offer our clients, continue to bring the team to the client, but meet the needs of the client in, in that specific unique situation. Well, Stephanie, thank you for uh, doing what you do, managing that client service team. You guys have a great team. It's a great department. It looks like you guys really enjoy the challenge day in and day out. We come to work every day knowing that we're going to potentially touch a family's life. And I think that's why a lot of us got into this business and into this industry was to help people. We're very proud of the work that we do for families and, and for our clients. Bob Eman, client service manager. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Thank you. All right, that's it. We're out of time. Know the difference. You can get a plan at AnnexWealth.com. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.